This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you have your Bibles, go with me today to Ephesians chapter 3. We're just going to do a quick recap for anybody that's new today. Maybe it's your first time with us. My name is Jason Chatham. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Candace. We're so thankful that you're here. And so one more time, team, can we put our hands together for our first time guests today or maybe returning guests today? We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. But if you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians 3. Beginning in verse 20, it says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, say it with me this morning, immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. This was Paul's prayer for his church in Ephesus that they would grab a hold of the more of God for their life that they would believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine. And maybe you're at a place today where you're asking for some things. Or maybe you're at a place today where you're dreaming about things. Maybe some of you young people, uh, we have a lot of students here from the U, you know, maybe you're dreaming about what kind of career you might have or that person or spouse you might meet or the kind of life that God might have in front of you. And I wanna challenge you right now, whether you're in your 20s or 30s, 40s, or even 50s or 60s, come on somebody, that you can believe God for more, that God has more in store for you. And the neat thing about this promise and this prayer is that God says he will do it according to his power at work within us. So the neat thing is we don't get to sit on the sidelines and watch it all take place, but we actually get to participate in the more of God for our generation. And as a church, this is what we're pressing into. We're praying that God would give us more for the generations that are all around us. Whether you find yourself in a season of life where you've already raised kids or maybe you're just starting to get married and maybe just starting to have kids or maybe you're a teenager here today or you're a child in this room and your parent dragged you here, God has more for your life. And we believe as a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church that a part of our voice and a part of the influence that God has given us is to be a voice in this city and in the nation. And today we're praying for that, we're pressing into that, we're, we're, we're pleading that God would move one more time and bring revival and that he would do more among us than we have yet even seen. And I really believe the conviction of this pastor in this house is that God is gonna do more. And that in this next year, we're gonna see him do things that we didn't even think were possible. And I hope that's your heart today. And I hope that's your heart this year. Maybe you came stumbling into 2024 with a lot of baggage from last year, or maybe you're approaching this year like it's a brand new, fresh slate. Either way, I wanna challenge you and encourage you as a pastor to really believe God for more. And I know that for some of us, we've been disappointed or we've walked through disappointing seasons or trials, which we're gonna talk about in just a moment. And it's left us feeling kind of maybe a little faint or a little weary or maybe a little hopeless or faithless. Maybe we got our hopes up and and we didn't quite see the, the result we wanted or prayed for. But I wanna encourage you to press into more. Turn to somebody today, say, God's got more for your life. God has more for our lives. And we're talking about the God of so much more. The first week we talked about God being the God of so much more grace and that he is able to make all grace abound to us so that we can abound or overflow in every good work. Last week we talked about God being the God of abundant power and that he wants to put his power on display in our weakness. And I shared that 
for many of us, we, we try really hard to kind of hide our weaknesses and to conceal the things in our life that we don't want anybody to know about. But come on, somebody, God is calling this church and is calling us to be real about what we're going through, to put our weaknesses on display so that God can demonstrate his great strength and power in that. And that's really the cry of this of this verse right here is that God is able, and I would say not just able, but willing to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within the weaknesses and, and the weak places of our life. Well, today we're gonna talk about the God who provides. Say it with me, the God who provides. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 22. And I'm gonna read a, a large chunk of text here. It'll be on the screen for those of you that don't have a Bible. If you need one, we've got those available as free gifts for you at the Connect Center. But here's what it says, beginning in verse one. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am, Lord, and any. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham, verse three, rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and they went, both of them, together. Verse seven, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, Heneni, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, Together And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Okay, as I mentioned, today I want to talk to you about the God who provides. Right here in verse 8, we see Abraham use a very particular phrase in relaying to his son Isaac what he believes God is able and willing to do in his life. He says to Isaac this, God will provide. Elohim ra'ah. Say it with me. Elohim ra'ah. It's kind of a fun word to say. And it literally means the God who provides. Now, for some of you, you're probably very familiar with this story, but maybe you're new to following Jesus or you're new to faith and you don't know what's going on here. So let me just kind of break it down for you. God chose a man named Abram from a land called Ur, which is kind of like ancient Mesopotamia. And he chose him to uh, make him into a great nation that he could bless so that he could be a blessing to all the nations of the world. Essentially through Abraham's or Abram's seed, God would use him to bring light to the Gentile nations or those that are far from God or don't know his ways, okay? And so God comes to Abram and he says, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna bless your seed. Your offspring are gonna be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. And I'm gonna do this in your life because I love you and I have chosen you. And then later on, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham and then makes a promise and a covenant with him. In doing so, God actually makes a promise and swears by himself to bless Abraham and to bless everything that he does and to give him some very specific land forever. We see it actually earlier in Genesis chapter 15. Go there with me, verse five. 
And he brought Abraham or Abram outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Later in verse 18 through 21, we see kind of the extent of this promise regarding land. Verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land, a very specific piece of land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. It's a lot of shites and a lot of ites there. Now, <laughs> most of us, at this point, if we're Abraham, we're kind of thinking to ourselves, this is fantastic. Like, who am I? I'm this nobody, and God has chosen me, and he's going to bless me with a family, and he's going to make me to be this, this father of many nations, and he's going to give me all this land that's not my own. I mean, talk about a God of grace, right? I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I couldn't buy it. We were kind of singing about that earlier this morning. And God says, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you all this land. And if you're Abraham at this point, you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is fantastic. He's going to give me all this land. And it's probably going to happen tomorrow. Now, how many of you know that we live in a, a microwavable society today? We live in an Amazon culture where you can get things on demand. In fact, just the other day, I saw an Instagram reel where Chick-fil-A was was beta testing, uh, bringing chicken nuggets via a drone to your house. How many of you would sign up for that like today? Like bring the nuggets today, God. Just drop them in via helicopter today. Or maybe you're a Raising Cane's fan, okay? And you're like, bring the posty special on over. Let's go, bring the nuggies, bring the, the chicken tendies. Let's do this thing, okay? And you're probably used to living in a culture where everything happens tomorrow, aren't we? Okay. But how many of you know that at this point, Abraham is given this promise and he's probably kind of feeling like this is going to happen really soon. Like this is going to happen maybe this week, maybe, maybe at most like next month. Okay, maybe a year tops. But can I tell you that God's timing is often not our timing. Can I say it again? God's timing is not often our timing. Abraham was actually in the land from the, from the moment that God makes this promise to him for 10 years and still nothing has come to pass. Let's be honest. If God makes a promise to you, but it was going to take a decade or longer to bring it about, how many of you know that you'd probably get a little antsy and a little impatient? I know I, know I would. And here's the problem with the way that we read scripture. We read the story, we turn the page, and then boom, we get to the end. We see the finality of it. But how many of you know that in between the lines, there are many years and months and seasons of learning how to wait on God, learning how to trust in what he said he will do. And sometimes we fail to take into account how much time it takes for God to bring about something in our life. And if we're not careful, we do what Abram and Sarai or Sarah does here and take matters into our own hands. Genesis chapter 16. Verse three, so Abram, after he had lived 10 years in the land, so God makes the promise, and it's been 10 years. He's been in the land for 10 years. Him and Sarai, his wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and she gave her to Abram, her husband, to be his wife. And he went to Hagar, and she conceived, 
And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt upon her mistress. So we'll fast forward through all the really messy details here, but things don't work out too well for Hagar and Ishmael and Sarai and Abraham in this picture. And as a result, we have conflict still today that's taking place within Israel and Palestine and the Middle East because of the mistakes that were made of people that weren't able to wait on the promise of God. Now, I'm not gonna get off on that, but here we see Abraham trying to take matters into his own hands. Things don't turn out right, but the good news is, is that God is still committed to his promise. Turn to somebody today and say, God is committed to his promise. God is committed to do what he says he will do. And I want to encourage you today, despite what, where you might have feel like you've rushed God's timing in your life. How many of you have ever found yourself kind of taking matters into your own hands? Yeah, we all have, right? Despite where you think you may have missed it or rushed the timing of the Lord, God is faithful to do what he says he will do because he is Elohim Ra'ah. He is the God who provides. Remember, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. And that's exactly what we're about to see him do here in Abraham's life, not 10 years later, but 24 years later. So Abraham receives the promise of God as a 76-year-old man. So for any of you in your 60s or 70s today or watching this online, let me encourage you. He waits 10 years till he's 86, and he's like, where's the promise, God? And then he waits another 13 years and God still hasn't done anything. And then on the 24th year, when he turns 100 years old, God finally fulfills his word to provide Abraham with a righteous heir. And I want you to notice what God says to them about this in Genesis chapter 18, verse 11. He says, now Abraham and Sarah were old. They were advanced in years. <laughs> the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Many interpreters believe this means she couldn't have her period anymore. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure, okay? Now, I'm not gonna stop here and make a point about this, but your imagination can probably understand what she means. Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And, and right here, I wanna ask some of us today to think about that question. Is anything too hard for God? Is there anything in your life right now that you're wrestling with that's too hard for the Lord? Maybe you're at a place where you're at a crossroads or you feel like you've come to an impasse in your relationship with your spouse and you just can't seem to find peace or come into agreement. I wanna say that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I am living proof, my wife and I are living proof that there's nothing too hard for the Lord as it pertains to marriage. Maybe you're a young person here today and you're struggling with particular habits or hangups that are, that are addictive in nature. I wanna tell you that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're facing a financial crisis or a decision. I don't know where you're at today, but the Lord knows and there's nothing too hard for him to do in your life. Let that be an encouragement to you. He is Elohim Ra'ah. He is the God who provides. Now, let's fast forward in the story. Sarah gives birth to Isaac, and we would think that the story ends with a big and they lived happily ever after. But that's not the real world, and that's not the way that it pans out. For many believers and many people within the church today, this is where we get tripped up. 
We see God do a miracle or we see him answer our prayers. We see him finally fulfill his promise and then we expect the happily ever after life. But how many of you know that following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to live happily ever after, but that sometimes you may actually have things that you have to walk through that are difficult and tough, that are hard. Sometimes you're going to have to face trials and hardships and calamities and persecution and trouble and misunderstanding after God has fulfilled the promise in your life. And actually, this is what we see Jesus say to his disciples Later in the New Testament, in John chapter 16, verse 33, let me read it to you. He says this, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I hate to break it to you, but the Christian life that you sign up for when you say yes to Jesus includes trials and sorrows. For some of you that have been following Jesus for a while, you can, you can attest to this, that this is in fact the case. But, he says, take heart. Some translations say, be of good cheer or be courageous because I have overcome the world. How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I've experienced some trials and some sorrows? Yeah, look around the room. You're not alone, okay? For some of you, that's probably where you're at today. But we're told to take heart or be courageous because he's overcome the world. And sometimes he who overcomes the world is the very one that leads us into valleys where we'll face the shadow of death and more trials and more testing. Why does God do this in our life? Because he wants us to experience more pain or difficulty? No, because he wants us to come to the revelation that no matter what we face, whether it be trouble or pestilence or sword or famine or COVID-19 or crazy elections or demons or principalities or rulers or heartbreak or betrayal, that no matter what we face, we know that he is Elohim Ra'ah, the God who provides, and nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus. Jonathan shared that verse today, but I want to share it with you. Here's the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think what he's trying to get at is that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. So despite what challenging situations you're walking through currently or will walk through in the future, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Elohim Ra'ah, the God who provides, the God who makes a way. And we're going to see this here exemplified in what happens next in the story, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. And after these things, God tested Abraham. And God said to Abraham, and God said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, Hineni. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Take the fulfillment of your promise, this thing you've been waiting on for 24 long years, the person that you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse seven, and he said to him, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. God will provide Elohim Ra'ah for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they both went together. Now question, how does God, or how does Abraham know that God will provide here? How does he know? 
that God's gonna do this? How does he have this unwavering faith, this incredible, unshakable trust, this firm foundation, this conviction that God is not going to actually follow through in making him sacrifice his son? How does Abraham know this? Because for 24 years, he had to wait on the promise of Elohim Ra'ah to do what he said he would do in providing him a righteous heir in making him to be a blessing to the nations and to, through his seed, bless the nations of the earth. He knows it because he's lived it. He knows it because he's had to walk through the trials and the seasons and the sorrows and the fires and the skirmishes and the fear and the mistakes. He knows that God will follow through on what God said he will do. And so here we see Abraham hold on to faith, step into the more of God for his life, knowing that God is gonna provide for him a son. In other words, Abraham had developed a personal history with God. And for many of you today, that's what God is inviting you to do. He's inviting you to develop a personal history with him. As you learn how to trust him, as you learn how to follow him, as you learn how to love him, as you learn how to wait on him, as you learn how to believe him for more than what seems possible for you right now. Genesis chapter 22, verse nine. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of that wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him. The messenger of God shows up and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, Heneni. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you've not withheld your only son from me. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it as an offering, as he offered as a burnt offering instead of his son. Not only does God show himself faithful, but in this story we're given an even greater glimpse. There's foreshadowing of what is to come when God will take his only son, Jesus, on this very mount, Mount Moriah, which is later renamed Mount Zion, and sacrifice him for the sins of the world. This is the very place that Abraham offered his son, and it's the very place that God will offer his son, and where this same son who was offered will come again to rule the nations forever. The story is just dripping with symbolism and layers of meaning here. But then he says this in verse 14, and I want you to hear this today. So Abraham called the name of this place where all of this took place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord or on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Abraham literally renames this place after the God who provides. But this time, and this is very easy to miss, it's a subtle detail, but this time, instead of using the word Elohim Ra'ah, he uses the personal name of the Lord, Yahweh Ra'ah. He changes it from his general understanding of what he knows of God to this very personal, intimate, revelational knowledge of the God who came through for him in his hour of need. At the last moment, at the 11th hour, when he was about to strike his son and take from him his own life, he, he has this encounter with, with God through the angels saying, no, now I know that I know that I know that you are not willing to hold back anything from me. And in this moment, he has this revelation of Yahweh Ra'ah, the God who is, has given his personal name 
to Moses and to Israel and to the people. And he does this here and, and then later writes about it, Moses later writes about it, to forever showcase and to celebrate the God who works for us in a personal way, not just in a general, vague way. And many people today are in the world and they've got a general idea about God. They've got this mythology or this basic understanding that perhaps God exists and maybe he's far out beyond the Milky Way and the cosmos, just kind of uninterested in my life or uninterested in our affairs. But that isn't actually the case. We serve a God who provides Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord himself, who steps down into human history, who is willing to take on our sin, who's willing to go to the cross to be slayed, to be sacrificed, to be raised again so that we can have this resurrection, more faith, power, life in us. That's the invitation. And so maybe... Today, this is what God's inviting you. He's inviting you to personally know him, to go through some fire and to touch the flame, to personally walk through trials and sorrows, to personally see God work and move in your life. He's not just a big idea and he's not just a myth. And these words on this page are not just ink. It's personal when you've seen what God can do with your own eyes. And there are people all throughout this room today that can attest to what God has done for them. And all of us have a story and all of us have things that the Lord has done for us that we could share and we'd probably be up here all day if we did. But I wanna tell you, friends, that that's who our God is. He is the Lord who provides. He is Yahweh Ra'ah. Abraham knew this. And later on, this young shepherd boy by the name of David, King David, also knew it. In his most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, verse one through four, here's what David writes. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, Yahweh Ra'ah. He says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. People of God, no matter what we go through, no matter what valleys or trials or sorrows we have to face, the Lord is our shepherd, Yahweh Ra'ah. He is the one who provides. He is the God of so much more. He is the God of abundant supply today. How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I've seen God bring provision in my life. I've seen God do things that I can't explain. I've seen God provide for me. How many of you would testify that today, Pastor Jason, I know that there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing impossible for God. And I believe that he's inviting us to this reality, to step out into faith this year as we trust him to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And maybe today this is where you're at. You're waiting on a miracle. You're, you're facing a trial or you, you have this great need in your life. Here's the final question that I want you to ask yourself and to wrestle through today. Where do you need God's provision most in your life right now? Yes, we're thankful for what God did with Abraham. We're thankful for what God did with the people in scripture like David. We're thankful for, our, for the faith of our fathers and, our, and the people that have gone before us. But what does God wanna do in your life? And where do you want to see, what are you believing for? Where do you need God's provision most in your life right now? That's the question I want to end with today. As we prepare to close, and as I prepare to close this message today, we're gonna do something very similar to what we did last week in that we're gonna put our faith into action. The conviction of this house is that our responsibility is to equip you. 
and to empower you for the work of ministry, to empower you to live a courageous life, to step into the more of God for your life. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna pray for each other. And what I'm gonna ask of our team is I'm gonna ask some of our team members to find those that are perhaps new or, or guests in the room and to go pray for them. But there's no pressure today if you're new or if this scares you or terrifies you. There's no pressure for you to do this. But I want us to get into groups of three and four today. And we're actually gonna pray into provision. We're gonna pray that the God who provides, Elohim Ra'ah, Yahweh Ra'ah, the God of abundant supply would meet every one of our needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm gonna ask Jen to come and just minister on the piano as we do this. We're gonna take about five minutes. And here's your script, okay? For some of you that are introverts, fear not, the extroverts will find you. But here's the script. The script is this, Philippians chapter four, verse 19. So if you don't know what to pray, here's what I want you to pray. And this same God, Elohim Ra'ah, who takes care of me, will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. We don't wanna ever leave a time of gathering together without giving you a moment to put your faith in Jesus, to repent from your sin, to turn toward him, and to embrace the more of God for your life. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna get up out of our seat, we're gonna get into maybe huddles of three or four, no, no less than two, but let's try to be sensitive to those around us. And if you need prayer for anything, or if you maybe feel uncomfortable and you just wanna sit or kneel, or maybe you just feel like you wanna come forward and have our team pray for you, we are a people that are passionate about prayer. And for too long, we've sat back on our hands and just said, well, we hope that people are fed well. We hope that people are inspired well. We hope that people are encouraged well. And then we leave our times and our gathering without actually putting anything into motion. So this house believes that this should be a living laboratory where we can practice our faith, amen? Where we can come together. So that said, if you're new to following Jesus or maybe today you wanna say yes to him the first time, I wanna pray for you right now. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna pray together for about five minutes. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit about next steps. And then we'll invite you to come downstairs and party with us today if you wanna come hear a little bit more about our church and what we're all about. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for what you're doing in our house today. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for working miracles. Thank you for salvations. Thank you for impossible things. Thank you for dreams being unlocked today. Thank you, Lord God, for, for your spirit being poured out upon us today. We didn't come here to hear the words of man. We came here to have a holy encounter with a holy God. We came here to experience who you are, Lord. And so I just pray for that person today that doesn't know you. Maybe you're watching this online or listening to this podcast. I pray right now that you would say yes to him. The good news is that he's already said yes to you by going to that cross, by taking on your sin and your shame and dying in your place as the sacrificial lamb. God didn't spare his only son from death, but saw fit to put all of your sins on him so that you could receive his righteousness, so that you could walk in his freedom, so you could walk in his resurrection life today. And that's what he's offering you. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it, but you do need to receive it. And so if that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand with all eyes closed, with every head bowed today. If you wanna receive this precious gift, what we call eternal life, you, you're, you wanna say yes to Jesus today. You want a new life. You want a new path. I want you just to, just to raise your hand today and to acknowledge him, to acknowledge Jesus, the sacrificial son who laid down his life on Mount Moriah for you, who was crucified and pierced for you, who was bruised for you, who said, I don't want there to be any chasm between us. I don't want death or life or angels or principalities or height or depth to come between my love for you. And if that's you today, just wave at me today. Just say, yes, Pastor Jason, that's, 
That's my heart today. I want to lead you in a prayer. It goes like this. It's a prayer we often pray here at Courageous Church. And it's this simple. Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from the mess that I make of things. I believe and confess right now that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on that cross for me. And I believe that God raised you to life again. I may not understand the how, what, when, or even why, but I'm choosing to trust you and believe you that you did. And as a result of my confession of faith today, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come now, come. Give me a life of freedom, a life of hope, a life of purpose, a life of renewed passion, to not lay down, but to rise up with resurrection life right now and to follow you all the days of my life by faith, because of your grace, because of your willingness to meet every one of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said amen and amen. If you made that decision, please fill out that Connect card. Let us know how we can come alongside you. We want to welcome you to the family. We want to welcome you to the party. There's some things we want to put in your hands, some resources, some ways in which we'd love to come alongside you as a church and take some next steps. Today is actually our next steps party downstairs in about 30 minutes. We're going to have lunch. Maybe you registered for that. Maybe you didn't, but we'd love to invite you to come down, hear a little bit more about how you can get involved. Maybe some ways that we can help you follow Jesus as well. Now, with that said, let's stand to our feet today. We're going to pray for each other. Let's pray into provision this morning. Let's pray into Philippians 4 today. And uh, we'll take about five minutes to do that. And then we'll ask Pastor Candace to come and close us out with a final word of blessing. Okay. Are we good, church? We ready to do that? All right, let's do it, team. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.